to the Tuesday edition of the Weekend Wire, where Aro is joining us from Atlanta, where he has been lucky enough to go to yet another NBA playoff game tonight, um, Hawks-Bucks game four. Um, I don't know how he keeps getting away with this, but it's, bust. <laughs> it's two consecutive weeks now where he's just at these high-profile conference finals games. Um, oh, man. He's been lucking out. But his team last night had what I would call a pretty disappointing performance. Terrible. A closeout game. Yeah, I would I would call it terrible too, honestly. Oh, yeah. In a game five um, versus the Clippers, Paul George went crazy, but that wasn't even really the story of the game to me. Um, it became very clear that the, it was going to be an uphill battle for the Suns when they go down 14-3 to and then 18-5 to and uh, – they, they came out with no energy, zero. Yeah. Suns had no energy. Crowd was pretty much dead, like right after that. Never really came alive till the fourth quarter, where it seemed like they might be able to come back. Um, once, once I saw Zubac was out, I thought the Suns were going to have a blowout win here. I thought Aiton was going to dominate, and most of the stuff I have to talk about in this game is going to be about Aiton. But um, oh, okay. We can we can just most go. of the stuff I had was on Booker and Paul. So I, they might be connected though, because they yeah. Okay, we, we can go we can go through sort of how this game went. So Marcus Morris comes out, he starts out six for six, um, just hitting all these fadeaway jumpers. He wanted he was attacking Booker in the post, and then just kind of turning over his left shoulder um, or right shoulder, just getting getting into rhythm like that. Um, and it was at really first awesome. I thought it was like oh it's Booker, so like that's why he's getting the buckets, and then he did it on Jay Crowder too, and it's like like what what can he do? He's just yeah. He's he came out super hot. They had nothing. They had no answers. Um, and then right when Chris Paul comes out, the Suns are able to cut that lead down to four, the nine zero run. Um, and it looked like okay. It looked like they'd sort of withstood the the early onslaught by the Clippers, and I was feeling pretty good that the Suns were gonna were gonna be able to win. Um, but then the Clippers just come out in the first at the end of the first quarter and go up by ten. Um, doesn't get much better in the second quarter when Cousins comes in and starts just posting up Saric, dominating him really, um, which is kind of what we saw in game one, but this was a lot like more, he was a lot more aggressive and and had a lot more uh, touches like at the rim. And um, then they take out Saric and the Suns immediately go in a 12-0 run and Booker is able to cut it to seven um, with with no time left, the last second three and a half. Yeah, he he does the fake, he does the ball fake, um, and the pump fake rather, and he cuts it to seven right before the half. Is there anything specific to the first half that you saw that was troubling or something di- different from the games before? Um, well, I think it was the two runs that you mentioned, which I think are funny, and I think our viewers should take note of it. Chris Paul went out; we come back a little bit. Um, and then Dario Saric goes out and we come back a little bit, um, you know, and no disrespect to Chris Paul, he got us here, uh, but he had a pretty bad first half and we'll touch on how he played in the fourth as well, because it got bad. Um, but you know, the first half, it, it just felt like there was no energy from, from really anybody, a lot of bad defensive mistakes, which you don't really see, uh, cause we've had bad shooting halves. We've had bad offensive halves where the offense doesn't really seem like it knows what it's doing, which is what it felt like, um, yesterday, but the defense has always been there. 
and you know there, there are a few games throughout the regular season that I can remember where the defense really wasn't there and we lost all those games to bad teams uh Washington is is the one that really sticks out in my mind I think it was right before the all-star break uh where we just came out super flat no energy no motivation and it largely is what that looked like that first half looked like um you know and we got a little lucky there towards the end that the Clippers you know were only up by seven to be honest with you Mm-hmm. Um, but oh, man, it, it was not probably the worst half of basketball we played in the playoffs so far. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Booker, Booker came out looking pretty good. He was probably the only guy who was, I, I would even say like above average for, for the first half. Um, yeah, he came out doing the, doing the thing that he's been able to do in these closeout games where he's averaging, you know, before it was 41 points. Now with the extra 30, it's probably gone down to, you know, 35. And um, he comes out, and he's really the only guy who plays pretty well for the Suns in the first half. I was hoping that that Aiden would get more touches as the game went on, but he really just—I don't even think it was his fault, really, that he didn't—he wasn't able to dominate. It just—it seemed like every time, it seemed like it, they were going, the Suns were going back to that thing at the beginning of the season where he would roll, and Booker and Chris would just kind of ignore him. Um, yeah. And that was something that 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 sort of. Once they fixed that, their chemistry got a lot better, um, and they were able to, you know, become the number two seed in the West and all everything that's gotten them here. But he just, he he wasn't even like. I felt like there were a lot of times where he just couldn't get two hands on the ball on the offensive glass, where he's just kind of tipping up to himself. And the Clippers did do a great job of gang rebounding, but I still felt like there were tons of times where it was just kind of like above their reach, and if he just would have put two hands up and grabbed it. It would have led to better things, um, and they yeah, just yeah. A lot of like the little tip-ins that we saw going earlier just weren't going in either. So yeah, was, was, yeah. It just didn't seem like they were looking for him on the roll, and the angles were a little tight. I, I thought the Clippers did a good job of like making those passes hard, but when you have Chris Paul handling the ball a lot of the time, you, you expect those. You think that he would make those passes, and even the passes where he's got the guy sealed, and there's no one between him and the rim, and it's like Terrence Mann on his back or or Batum on his back, you, you would just like to see, like, even if you're just, just take a shot maybe because like, yeah, yeah. either it goes in and he's going to get the rebound. If you don't think you can make that pass, which is fine, just maybe take a shot or just try to angle it over the top like that to where it's almost like a lob or a even shot. Even if you get it on the backboard, you're going to be fine. Yeah. Like he's going to, he's going to pull that down and either get fouled or get a bucket like 90% of the time. So I thought that was the number one thing. I thought that was why the Suns lost this game, um, just because I didn't think – I thought with Zubac, they had a golden op- – Zubac out, they had a golden opportunity to really um, just dominate inside with him. And Zubac was doing a pretty good job. He was the best player on the floor in game three um, for both yeah. teams, I would say, which is a surprising result when you see the, the star power on both sides. Um, and, yeah, I, I thought it was a really weird, weird game with with all the Aiden stuff and that that was really my focus yeah I mean I think that's a fair enough takeaway I think the, the problem with Aiden he's an interesting guy to try and get touches with because he is more uh, especially in these playoffs like he's more of a like a diver right like in, in that you have to kind of get him touches off the pick and roll and you have to get him touches around the rim where he's just sort of finishing um and, and those aren't easy passes, uh, like you said, you know, especially against the Clippers. I thought the Clippers did a really good job adjusting. Um, you know, they made a lot of, I think, like micro adjustments. And a lot of it's just kind of them locking in on defense a little bit more. 
um, which I think you probably saw in game three a little bit. Um, in game four, you saw probably on both sides that they were locked in defensively. But you know, in this game, it really felt like the Clippers were the team that were locked in defensively, that were really a lot more active. Um, and, I, and I think that just kind of made the Suns a little bit more wary of, of you know, like some of the you know times when Aiden did seal inside, you're kind of worried about throwing that pass because you know that, you know, Batum is one pass away and he's going to do it. Um, and, you know, Paul George is going to dig and you're kind of worried about that more so than you are like, oh, like this is a mismatch and we should exploit it. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's just, it's weird because we haven't seen the Suns play like that so far. Like they've kind of been the team that's like, you know, it doesn't matter if it's a closeout game, like we're going to get our shots, we're going to do our thing our way. Um, and this was the first game where it really felt like we kind of played to the Clippers, right? And we played to the opposition more so than, you know, what we would normally have done. We would let the game really slow down. Um, you know, we let the Clippers just kind of bog down and, you know, in a similar way to, to what the Clippers did to Utah, where like Gobert was just kind of made a non-factor even with his height advantage, um, you know, you kind of let that happen to us. And you just can't let that happen if you're Chris Paul and you can't let that happen if you're Booker. And um, I, I think that's where my point, um, you know, my, my little – disappointment with with those two guys especially was not so much you know they're shooting it's like okay like it's fine if you're not shooting the ball great right Chris Paul hasn't really shot the ball great so far that's okay Booker same deal and like Booker looked you know okay scoring the ball um but they they do thing like little things like holding the ball till there's eight seconds left on the shot clock right yeah. we're not getting into a set until there's eight seconds left on the shot clock and it's not the worst thing in the world if you're trying to close out a game but if you're down, right, or if you're in a close game, like against the Clippers, that's not what you want. Right? Yeah, and they were down have, like 12 points, it seemed like the whole game. And they're like, still doing it, yeah. And, and, like, you have a massive height advantage, take threes, right? You're going to get the rebound. You're going to get a certain amount of offensive boards, right? Um, and, I don't know, it, it just looked ugly. Um, it, it looked like even more so than like there was no plan that like the plan just wasn't very good and I don't know if that's on Monty I don't know if that's on CP3 I want to say that's more so on the guys on the court because Monty is a little bit more hands-off he doesn't like calling plays especially when CP3 is on the floor yeah. um so those guys just have to like recognize and do something or Monty's got to step in and be like hey like I'm gonna call a timeout right now and like we're gonna run what I want to run because I'm seeing that we're not doing it right I thought I thought the only mistake that Monty made that was like glaring to me was the playing the Nader over like a guy like yeah. Craig. Um, that just didn't really make sense. And they they were calling this out on the broadcast like a couple times. Um, and Tory Craig was really like the catalyst to what the little mini run they had at the beginning of the fourth, where you you kind of felt that was like really the last time where you felt Phoenix had a chance to win. Um, yeah. And yeah, I, I thought I thought what you said about them getting. Didn't them getting into the action at the end of the shot clock was was true because it seemed like there were so many times where Chris Paul he's doing the pick and roll with Aiden and he's like snaking off of it but then they wouldn't get a good look and it, it would just right because be, now you're scrambling you have four seconds left yeah, like you're Dan like, Johnson in the corner I don't know what to do yeah right? like, it'd, yeah <laughs> be like you, you're passing it to a guy who you know Crowder Johnson in the corner usually and it's it's yeah. you know, kind of a prayer you're not getting those those inside touches I, I also do think that. It might when when Aiden was not on the floor, um, or when you had um, depending on who the Clippers had out there. I thought it would have been maybe smarter to to really attack more in transition. That's sort of yeah. how we've seen the Suns overwhelm teams 
um, especially when they're playing at home where the crowd gets really into it. And that just didn't seem that, that, like that happened all that much. It seemed like the Clippers were almost getting more out in transition. Um, yeah. Even like even Cousins is like ripping CP3 and then going coast to coast and like getting an and one and stuff like that. So um, I, I don't know if the Clippers did shoot pretty well in this game and Paul George went crazy. He kind of ran out of gas in the fourth a little bit, it seemed like, um, to where like – he, he like it, it almost seemed like he like ran out of energy and then got like a, a his last push um and he had he had 20 20 in the third um i think and was really really unstoppable he was hitting all these jumpers and he's he's played more playoff minutes than anyone by almost 100 trey young is the second second leader there but um and I also, I also may have thought it was a mistake to not bring Aiton back until seven minutes left in the fourth where they had Sarich out there. Yeah. And like he was getting pummeled like he had been all game. Um, and I think – Yeah, Aiton's got to play bigger minutes. Uh, yeah. Like, that's got to. I think, I think they're going to realize that for game six. Um, and I think it's pretty, that's a pretty easy adjustment to make. And then, you know, the Clippers, they go up by 12, 427 left. Reggie hits that, that dagger um, – I think it was a, a dunk actually where well he hit he hit oh, back, he back threes and he, he had the threes, yeah. Yeah, the dunk transition. Uh <laughs> by your three point leader for the playoffs, uh, Reggie Jackson. So that's 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 how crazy this these playoffs have been. Um and yeah, now now we sit at three two. So I think I think the biggest adjustment to be made is sort of try to overpower their, their small ball, um, but and I do think Aiton is more capable of doing that than a Rudy Gobert for sure, and we've seen him prove that before. Um, but the fact that C- I was pretty disappointed that CP3 didn't really go for the kill because his history with the 3-1 leads and you have the closeout game at home and it just see they seemed flat um and there was yeah no, i didn't expect them to come out that far. yeah they just came out really flat um and it was pretty disappointing for me yeah yeah um you know i mean that they got the, the thing is it's not a whole bunch of massive adjustments they need to make for game six um you know maybe that's a bad thing maybe that's a good thing um, you know, it's, I think it's a good thing that, yeah, like you don't need to change up your X's and O's. You don't need to change up, you know, how you've been playing the rest of the time. Um, but it, it's a lot of like little things that you just got to get right. And, you know, you got to have CP3, you know, playing with a little bit more pace. You got to have Booker, uh, initiating from better spots. I, I thought that he was like, he more so in this series than, than in, in, in like the first two series, I felt that he's trying to attack from points that are are more conducive to the Clippers because the Clippers kind of have an idea of what Booker's tendencies are. He loves kicking to the corner. They sit on the corner, right? Um, Paul George, I think, got a couple of steals that way where you're just sitting on the corner and you know that if Booker doesn't get space for his drive, he's going to jump and he's going to kick to the corner. That's guaranteed. Um, And so it's little things like that where like if you have less Booker trying to come downhill on these guards, which, you know, it worked out for him in game one, but like, he just hasn't been getting those same looks ever since. Um, you know, I think you got to try and, and do something a little different, whether it's have him come off more curls like you did against LA, like the, the Lakers. Um, I don't know if it's just having him push the ball and transition a lot more and then come downhill that way. 
um, which I think is a little bit more of what we did in game one where he was playing with pace. Like there wasn't yeah. really any restraint. I do I do offense. think in game one, the Clippers were pretty gassed from that, that short turnaround. That's also had. true. But yeah. I, I like the curls idea a lot because um, that's true. We did see a lot more of that in their, their yeah, first. Have them coming off the double screens, like yeah. do, do all that stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. CP3 has just not had a good game since, since he came back. Um, and I don't, was it ever confirmed that he had COVID? Because I feel I like. I think it was confirmed that he had COVID. Okay. Because I, I didn't so. know anything about that. So, I mean, we have seen this with guys. This, Tatum had a stretch where he was, he was pretty, he was struggling pretty bad after, after, right after coming back from COVID. Um, and I would don't think the solution is to play campaign more because if you're if you're already like like you're gonna play CP three in the moments, you know, I feel like it's not something that's realistic to like not commit to that. Yeah, um, and I know there's been a lot of like on off numbers that get thrown around in the last couple of games, like about campaigns, like on off numbers, and they look good. Um, but like I just don't think it's the answer. Like you said, like uh, that's not what the problem is necessarily um you know i don't well that, that's not the fix to the problem i'll say that yeah um because he works in short bursts but trying to utilize him and like trying to like i guess like split the minutes between him and cp3 like that just doesn't seem right like i, I, I think, think yeah and work. that i think playing him playing pain more wouldn't really solve your your getting eight and more touches near the basket problem no because that, that's something CB3 is really delivering and, and Booker less, a little less so. But um, yeah, yeah I, the, the Clippers did shoot pretty well in this game, but um, it may have been, you know, the thought, my thought was they were going to run out of gas in this game and combined with the Aiden thing, it would just become overwhelming for them eventually. But um, they've been, you know, they've played pretty much every other night for the last almost a month, um, it seems like, maybe more. And it's just, they've had these long series. And I, I, I do want to talk about, or we, we can, we can think, we can talk about what we're going to, what we think is going to happen in these last two games. Um, I think, I think it's going to go seven. Um, because I hope not. <laughs> I just, I think, I think game six, you're going to see one last ditch effort from these Clippers roll guys and it's going to be the threes and that's just I don't know I that's just my feeling it's it's hard for me to to I I think I think one of these one of these Western Conference one of these conference final series is kind of like destined to go seven Um, and I don't it's not the box ox I don't think it's happening (laughs) box ox anymore so um yeah that's that's kind of my thought there because I and if CP3 needs needs one more game to get right, you know, I, that's I true. Know. That's true. It it could be one of those. Um, yeah, like I don't know. It makes sense what you're saying for sure. Uh, you know, I think the Clippers like have kind of shown that like they, with their backs to the wall, like they are like the best team in the playoffs apparently. Um, so that that's the scary part of yeah, and, and trying to go into their building and trying to win that game is. It's not going to be very easy. Um, now, what gives me hope is is that, you know, kind of like I said, like it's not a whole lot of massive adjustments you got to make. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I think a lot of it was, you know, kind of the energy. If you don't get in that hole early, maybe it's a different looking game throughout. Um, you know, I think that 
if we do win game six, it's going to be sort of that grind it out type of game that you saw in game two and game four. Maybe not to the extent of game four. Um, game four. So like in game two. I, I watched <laughs> the end of game four and it was ugly. Ugly. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, more so like game two where it is a little, you know, choppy at times. Um, you know, both teams maybe are struggling to shoot. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you got to you just got to believe that I mean, can, can the Clippers do it twice, right? Like, can they, can Morris go six for six to start to start the game again? Um, you know, can, yeah. well, I, I say, can Reggie hit those threes, but Reggie can hit those threes. So yeah, I don't know. Um, but the, the worrying thing with the Clippers is that they have so many options that like, it doesn't have to be Morris that gets hot. It can be like, can yeah. Hot. I think it's going to be Karen's Man. The team hasn't had a good game. Karen's Man yeah. could very well do it again. Yeah, Karen's Man game's coming. Um, <laughs> game six, Terrence Man. Yeah. It, it, I, I'd still take the Suns oh, to win man. at seven. Um, oh, I think if but, it goes seven, I think we're done. I don't think we win at seven. I think this is must I think the, the demons just come back in full force, and you're. I think Chris Paul is going to have a shocker. Of a game seven, if it comes down to it, might be right about that. Yeah, uh, the turnovers are going to come and like okay. the shots not well, going to go. In that down. case, yeah, I'm going to I'm going to go Suns six because I, that that's a good point because I think I think the Chris Paul yeah. stuff is just going to come so hard so fast because Paul George <laughs> is kind of like the the Paul George doubt is kind of like over now. I feel like oh yeah, he's the, balled the, out like the game he just had where where people aren't going to make yeah. fun of them if they lose the series. Um, oh yeah, and. Yeah, but I, okay, so there we go with our predictions. But do I think we should talk about the Kawhi story and how is it and how it's still going? It doesn't seem like he's going to come back. Um, he's had a really strange career when you really think about it, and he it just seems like he just kind of sucks to deal with, which we which we've like kind of <laughs> yeah, which we've seen. What do you put it um, like that? Yeah. Yeah, where where the San Antonio situation was just, on all accounts, just pretty bad for all involved, where he doesn't trust the medical staff. And that's apparently what's going on right now, where they don't even, I don't know if it's one of those things where they don't even know, like, how he's feeling and he's just being stubborn and won't tell them, or it's just, like, he actually is hurt or it's not. It's very strange. It seems like I would be shocked if he played played again in this series. Um, I'd be shocked if he played again in the playoffs. Yeah. Like, even if they get to the finals. Yeah. If, if it seems like there's been so many different rumors where it's either like, oh, his, his, you know, they already removed part of his knee because of the injury that he had or like, or they didn't. And you just, no one really knows. Everything he does is just shrouded in secrecy. It's all it has been ever since his, like ever since that San Antonio thing. His his tw- the free agency after the Raptors season was one of the craziest two weeks I can remember, where people were tracking flights, which which is not uncommon for people on NBA Reddit to do. But like, yeah, the level was at where there was there was like thousands of people in Toronto just waiting outside this meeting with the with Masai and then like Stephen A's on sports center. And he, and he, he's like convinced that it's the Lakers and he acts like he's just got this phone people call. like two days before he went to the Clippers. Like they were convinced he's going to Lakers. Mm-hmm. Like people were like a hundred percent. It's the Lakers. The deal is almost done. Like we were just waiting for confirmation. Yeah. And he, like, he didn't crazy. want to play with Kawhi. He, he, he was basically the only person ever to just say, fuck Popovich and fuck the Spurs culture. Um, <laughs> yeah. 
which he, he just actually though. he just didn't care for any of it. He lives in San Diego and the team plays in LA. So apparently last well, he didn't year, even like, see what the team doing games. Yeah, they were constantly waiting for him to like get on the plane so they could fly to you know like Atlanta. Like and it it, it the, the whole the whole deal with him is just like yes, he's worth he's worth the headache, but the headache is huge. And like it, it, it's so, it's so weird. The the whole secrecy thing is, it's just I don't I don't get I don't get the strategy part of it either because I don't think that the Suns what the Suns would do is going to change all that much depending on like if Kawhi is out there they're still going to play their guys and just like they'll probably be a lot more scared but they won't be like yeah um, <laughs> it's not going to change their entire game plan and that, I don't even think that's really like a thing in basketball unless you have like a overpowering center or something or someone like Steph just these guys who have yeah skill sets that are super extreme on one side but um and even then like I, I don't yeah know. like they're still your, your team ultimately is going to play their best guys who they've been riding with all year and like like you said about the adjustment there's not going to be a big adjustment made it doesn't think because you're kind of past the point of it so. adjustments are made like in like game four, two, three, four, like it, it, yeah, like it, it's not something that once you get to game five, six, seven, it's really like a the teams have figured themselves each other out, and they know they know who's gonna, you know, who who they're guarding, what their tendency tendencies are. It's just about who plays better and who rises to that moment. And the CB three stuff is he just has to play better. I, 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 there's really no other way to put it. Um, and I think Booker, I think Booker had a better game than I thought he would last night, just because um, the the mask did seem to be bothering him, and Beverly seemed to be bothering him as well. Um, yeah. And what? Oh, actually, what what do you think of that? The foul, the Chris Paul Beverly foul call. Uh, I, I thought it was kind of questionable because I thought he kind of undercut him. Like I thought he almost like slew footed him. Definitely, like, CP3, like, jumped into it. So, like, that's, like, it looks really weird. But, like, I've never seen a dude, like, kind of, like, almost do, like, a slide tackle around a screen, if that makes sense. Like, it was really weird play to me. It was the only time that I thought, honestly, I'm going to be honest, I thought it was awful call. Um, I thought it, I thought it would have been no call or offensive or anything, if anything, just because I thought CP3 did exaggerate it so much. Yeah. And, there's the only one of the few times I've ever seen Steve Javi on the broadcast like, yeah. disagree with the call that the refs made, which I thought was pretty significant. <laughs> and yeah, I would definitely agree that there were, that was a super like um, there were so many opinions that I was seeing about it. And I think yeah. people, I think like people's some people it was just their hatred for Beverly was kind of like part of it. But I, I didn't think it should be an offensive foul. I just thought it was pretty ridiculous that it was a flagrant. Yeah, like, I, I don't think you can give it an offensive foul. I think it has to be, like, uh, like a, a – well, I don't even know if it necessarily needs to be a shooting foul because it's, like, it's technically one of those deals where, like, you go around a screen and you bump the guy, but, like, the guy's already – Yeah, it seems there. like it should be, like, a block almost. Like – Yeah, like, it's really weird. Um, but, again, like, I, I don't – why is he so low around the screen? That's why I don't get – you know what I'm saying? Like, he was, like, almost on the ground around that screen. I think so it's I, an intimidating thing. He kind of does that. Where, 
where like some guys will do like the clap because if you think the guy's shooting on the other side of it, maybe like oh, there there are guys there are guys who like will go really low in their closeout or will do the clap at the top, just a bunch of stuff to mess with the rhythm. I think that's might have been what he was doing. He does have a lot of borderline questionable plays. And I think like the ref's reaction to it was a result of like him walking off like with CP3 still on the ground and making fun of him, which is crazy. I thought I honestly thought Aiden was gonna run over there and punch him like in the moment, and then no one no one really did anything. Which yeah, I was, the ref just looks at it and it's like, yeah, no, you're fine. <laughs> I, thought, I thought someone on the Suns, like whether it was Crowder or like and, and maybe that's something we see. Yeah, maybe that's something that we see in Game Six where Crowder and Morris just boil over and start just beating each other or or something like that. Um, and, game Six could have some madness. Like it could have controversy. Like Game Five was already sort of controversial, but like Game Six could just be. Yeah, Game Four was pretty. Like all the reviews and. Oh, Game Four did have all the reviews. And yeah, game two, I mean, if you think about, like, even if this does end in six tomorrow, this should be remembered as one of the closest, like, Ever. series that we've had. Because oh, yeah. game two, the Clippers probably should have stolen that one if Paul George doesn't inexplicably miss the two free throws. You, they get, they just have, the Suns happen to get that perfect angle where the they can throw the pass and the Clippers blow the coverage where, it, like, if, I watched this a couple days later, but Boogie like basically leaves the whole paint open on the yeah. on the that that last play, and it's just you know, and you had the only game that was really like one sided was kind of like Game Three and Game One, but that was that was well. Game uh, One was even close. Game One was just like Booker taking over at the end. Game One was close, but like Booker, it was clear that like no one was stopping Booker almost, Fair. and then. Game okay. three, the Clippers just kind of like had their had their game plan, and Booker and CB three played poorly. But like that, that's one for each team. So you yeah, had yeah. everything else been super close. Yeah, you had just these game four could have gone either way. The Clippers hit some free throws. So th- this is this is a really Clearly, close if game. they make a shot. <laughs> well, if, I mean, if if either if the Suns had been Any making shots, shot. they would have been up by twenty. You know, it's yeah. four. So it's just yeah. yeah. Um, and game five was sort of a blowout towards the end, but like it didn't, it like felt like a blowout until the third quarter and then it felt really close. And then all of a sudden it's a blowout. Again. I felt like the Suns could come back like, until like there were six minutes left. Yeah. And then it was like, okay, this is probably over. Um, and then, and then Reggie made it actually over. So, um, okay. Anyway, we spent a lot of time on that, but I thought that was good. Um, we are going to move on to, Recapping game three, I guess game two, which game two of the Eastern Conference Finals was just a blowout completely. I didn't, I didn't watch a second of it. Um, and I watched the first half. It just seemed like the Bucks were hitting everything. They were putting bodies on trade. That was their adjustment. That Bud actually made. Bud actually made an adjustment. So good for him. Um, Bob it up. <laughs> yeah, game three, the Hawks get off to this great start with. Trey roasting Bobby Portis and the Bucks. They go with this mega front court where they have Tucker, Lopez, and Portis out there, and the Hawks just kind of pick it apart. Um, but the Bucks did keep getting to the rim, and the twos sort of overwhelm the threes at a certain point. Um, and then all tied up at half. Trey steps on the the ref's foot, tweaks his ankle late in the third. Um, the Bucks, that, sort of, yeah. Just unlucky. I, I don't. I don't yeah. think there's any like 
bad intention there because the guy was just it, yeah, I don't know. you kind of have the tendency to like go backwards once you once you shoot anyway um and he, he just happened to be there and the bucks the bucks sort of keep missing those good looks i thought okongwu played great defense on Giannis, really team, good. which is awesome to yeah. see because he was he was hyped and like that was that was a loud i'm sure it'll be loud tonight too but that was that was a pretty good atmosphere there in atlanta um and He's proven to be Okongwu has has pretty much proven to be the better option versus Giannis than Capella. It seems like where he's he's a little quicker, um, and then it was then it was the Chris Middleton show in the fourth. He scores eleven straight for the Bucks. He has twenty in the fourth quarter. Ends up with thirty eight. So seems like the Bucks have taken control of this thing. Um, and if Trey isn't, you know, the weird thing about Trey was that he. Once he came back from the ankle injury, he he had this play where he went the length of the court with the ball really, really fast, and he looked he looked yeah. pretty good. And I don't really know what to make of that because it, the 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 way that his ankle went was kind of weird, and it seems like ankles are not something you can mess with a lot, um, especially when it's when it's the game right after. So, uh, what what do you think is going to happen um, tonight? Well, they they put questionable next to his name for this game, so that makes me think that he's probably not going to play, or if he does play, like, he's pretty banged up. Um, I just felt like he would have gone with, like, probable or something like that if it's just, like, a minor ankle yeah. tweak. Um, but it was really weird, yeah, because he did come back, and, like, by the time he came back, like, he spent a decent amount of time off the court um, before he came back. So it's, like, it's not just, like, it was the adrenaline, like, kicking in, and he just, like, goes. Um so I don't know, like maybe, I don't know, like took a painkiller or something and just like played through it. Um, I don't really know what like that procedure would be like for them. But um, yeah, I, I don't know. If he's not 100%, like 100%, I don't know how the Hawks like stay in this because Middleton seems to have kind of figured it out. And like he's obviously not going to shoot like he did at the end of that, you know, game three. Like that was ridiculous um but if he's having even like an average game and holidays having an average game um i I just don't well it's it's more of like who 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 runs your offense if you're the hawks because it's not going to be yeah still i mean like lou williams and like i think lou williams out there for 40 minutes is not realistic not what you want He's gonna get attacked, and he's not someone who's making those those little dumped passes to you know Capella and Akangu and those guys. Where, yeah. Um, it, I just don't. I don't know. Um, like you would need like a massive game from Herder again. Is like I mean, you would need like really see it. Forty from and like Gallo. Like you would need. <laughs> maybe. You would need a lot. Um, yeah. Maybe maybe the strategy for the Hawks is if Trey if Trey if you feel confident that Trey will be better in game five that you do play him and where no that we yeah. you don't you don't play him tonight and like you wave him out wait him out until yeah. game five and you sort of punt on tonight um interesting strategy I don't think it's a good strategy um I, I do even punt a playoff game. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it, it's it's not something that um we've really seen any team do and they were there was discussion if the nets were going to do this game six against the bucks and they didn't um so probably not gonna happen it would be dumb for them to do it but it just doesn't feel like they, they have a great chance of winning this game um i don't but know they continue to surprise so yeah they may figure something out 
Um, they got a lot of players. I mean, they truly do have a lot of players that can get hot and like can kind of create their own shot. Like Gallo can kind of create his own shot. Um, you got Herder. You got whatever is left of Bogdanovich. That one, he had a really bad. He might have cost the Hawks game three um, a little yeah. bit because uh, <laughs> he shot terrible. Well, it just doesn't seem like his injury is getting better. Like it, no. that, like he's just not getting better. Like he's not getting healthier. So that's concerning um, to me. And yeah, I, I think I think we might see a like a a monster Middleton or not not monster game, but like another another good scoring game for Middleton. I, I just don't know that the Hawks are going to be able to to create enough offensively if Trey is you know limited. So. Yeah, and their offense already looks a little bit like I mean, it is just so trade dependent, and like he has to create so much of it. Yeah, um, there's not a whole lot of like off ball stuff that they really do. It is a lot of like on ball and like kind of create with the ball. Um, so yeah, we'll see. Without Trey, it's gonna be uphill, but you know maybe you get like seventy percent of Trey, and like maybe that's enough. Like if he can still kind of get it in the lane and like at least get like a floater off, or at least like have the threat of getting his floater off. Like it opens up stuff for his teammates. So we'll see. But uh, if he like, I, I don't know. I, I just don't know if he has like that first step. Like I, I just, I think people will just be able to stay in front of him, especially like Drew, like we'll just be able to stay in front of him. Whereas like before it's like, yeah. he gets around the screen so fast like he's gone, right? Like he's forcing to switch every yeah. time. But like now it's like, uh, like you can probably even switch now and you're fine with like Tucker and Milton guarding him if he's his little like hobble. Yeah. So. If he's like that, yeah, yeah. It's a problem. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Well, it seemed after game one that this was going to be pretty contentious, and maybe the Hawks would have a chance to win. Um, game one, granted, pretty weird game. You had you had a you had a great Trey Young game. You had a couple things that happened where the Bucks are just missing a lot of shots, but they were still able to take game one on the road. Um, so you kind of felt like if Trey had another one of those 40 point games in the, in him, they would be able to maybe take this thing, but it doesn't and seem I like thought he had that in game three. I thought he was going to get there. Yeah, no, I, 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 I did too. I thought, I thought game three was really shaping up to be a, a great game at the end before he, before the ankle thing happened. So, um, uh, a shame that that didn't happen, but we could get, you know, game four. The Bucks, the Bucks are still the Bucks with with the with the coaching stuff. They could totally do something dumb. Um, and I thought McMillan definitely McMillan like had a somewhat rough time in Game Three compared to maybe what we're used to seeing because he's been pretty good in the playoffs. So I think yeah. I think like if he has something up his sleeve where if he plays Capella and Okongwu at the same time and and let's get just just. Little things like that, where he's just trying stuff. There, there could be something that worked. It didn't seem like he tried anything different in game in game three. So yeah, outside of playing Okongwu a little bit towards the end there. Yeah, I, 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 I played Okongwu because he was playing good on Giannis, but I don't think that was like yeah, a, that was like a not something that he was just like let's see let's see if this works. But um, yeah, that's sort of that's sort of you 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 do stuff like that depending on how the game is going. So um, yeah, all right. Well, you will be there. Um, for game four, and I'm sure that'll be crazy. I've yeah. the Atlanta crowd seemed pretty pretty good, um, even compared to you know Phoenix and the these these crazy ones that we've seen this year. So, yep. um, 
we're gonna do so we should talk about the the potential landing spots for dame um oh. it seems like he oh. is, yeah it's <laughs> like he's maybe on his way out no one really knows much about this yet um it's just that that one chris haynes story where like he's kind of like supporting the billups hire and then the fans are like mad at him and then he gets pissed off because of that that's a whole mess yeah, and Chris Haynes is pretty. Chris Haynes has broken a lot of like Lillard stuff and Blazers stuff in the past, where he kind of seems like he kind of has his ear. So, um, I think this is like kind of concerning if you're a Blazers fan. I think I think it's almost like if I had to guess, I think there's probably like a forty percent chance that he leaves, um, which is a maybe little higher. Um, yeah, maybe a little higher, but we'll, I'm yeah. sure we'll find out more in the coming weeks. Um, as far as destinations go, there's, you know, there's Miami, there's Philly, um, where Philly we thought was the, the trade was going to be Simmons for McCollum. Um, and it could be Simmons you know, for Lillard? Simmons and a lot more for Lillard, but um, a lot more. Yeah. Oh, man. I think I, there's, there's an interesting Golden State thing here where if they could if you trade you trade Wiseman you trade Wiggins you trade 7 and 14 and whatever else to get it done and then you have Dame, Steph and Clay which would just be absurd um <laughs> I can't I even like imagine but it could happen just because how fond of Oakland Dame is and that's his hometown yeah. and all that stuff um other than that, I don't really know where else he would go. Um, Boston would be the only other one I'd maybe throw Boston, in there. I think I think Boston would have um, to. I think I think if Boston tried to do that, they would be very stout. They would be we. They would. I mean, O'Shea on the Blazers side would say like, "We want Brown or Tatum," and that would. Oh kind yeah, no, of, I think like, that it would like, be. That would fizzle it out. Would be my thought. You think so? Uh, yeah. Okay. And. I don't know, dude. If you compare Dame and Tatum together, I might take the hit. The thing that's interesting I'm now like, is it's kind of Steven's call. So, if like depending on which yeah. way they go on that, it would be like if that does like become a real discussion. Depending on which way they go on that, like it's going to be up to their their coach that they've had for you know the last yeah. four years. And he's um, connected with those guys. So I don't know if he's like ready to make that. Yeah, kind of that's, tough that's call. the thing. I think that makes it a little harder. Um, yeah. I, I, there's an interesting Pelicans Brandon Ingram scenario that Ooh. I thought of, but, but you'd have to give up so much. Like, Ingram, well, I think Dan wants to go to New Orleans, which is another factor. He might not go. He might not want, want to go to Boston either. Um, I don't know where. Where do you want to go? Miami. Who doesn't want to go to Miami? <laughs> Giannis apparently. Fair. Um, I. That's unfortunate. Miami would be so good with him. I know. That's all I'm gonna say. I want to see that. Yeah, I want to see it too. I, was, I would love to see. I would love to see him and Embiid in Philly too, though. I think that'd be fun. That um, would be. Yeah, that team could be wow. Yeah, but so, they'd have to like. You'd have to give up like like we're talking. I don't even think they have Danny Green, right? Like they'd have to sign and trade him. Uh, you'd have to throw in like uh, Kybel, Maxi, Simmons, at least, if not more. Like, yeah, 
It, it would take a lot. Yeah. Like, you would have to gut your roster to do that and then, like, rebuild. Which, like, more would, like, totally be fine with doing. So, like, I, <laughs> like it could happen. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, that would take some work. The Warriors' side, they're kind of looming with their 7-14 and 14 pick. And I'm not saying they're going to get it done with Dame because there's been a lot of talk about them for Simmons, too. But they're kind of in the like next – I don't like it either. I don't think it makes sense because why would you want two Draymond Greens? Yeah, you want you want a Draymond Green and a lesser like offensive version of Draymond Green. It seems like yeah, Um, possibly yeah. Like what is that? Yeah, yeah. I I don't like that either. I like I like the Dame idea much more for them, but I don't think the Dame idea is realistic. So, um, the for. If the Sixers really wanted to go crazy here, they could do. They could try to get Wiggins from the Warriors in the in the potential Simmons trade. They could try to, um, they could try to do they or they do, like if Dame's leaving, you would think the Blazers could trade McCollum too. It just makes sense for them to just blow it up. I think. Yeah, they just blow up the whole thing. Unless they're really yeah. getting back like an unbelievable centerpiece from another team that's better than Dame. Like what centerpiece would like, you get back? Happening. Like, um, like unless you get Brown and like Marcus Smart, it's not happening. Yeah, I just don't think they're. Gonna, I don't. I don't think yeah. that's gonna happen. Um, yeah. What about this this Simmons to the Wolves thing, where it's for Russell and like Malik Beasley and some and some picks? I don't hate it. Um, but like, that's just sort of a weird, like, I don't really know what like direction that puts Minnesota in. Cause like cat is kind of creeping up in age right now. Um, mm-hmm. so it's like, like he's 25. So you gotta like build a winner for him in like two years. And yeah. I don't know if getting Simmons does that for you. Um, I don't either, but they, but neither does D'Angelo Russell. So like, apparently, they want him pretty bad. I, I don't. I don't really get it. Want Ben Simmons pretty bad? Yeah, that's what I saw. Okay. I, mean, I don't. I don't know why, but yeah. I mean, like, what? What? What do you? Do they play him at point and like Ricky Rubio becomes like the backup and like I don't. I don't even know. Like, how does that work? Yeah, the thing that's important to understand with this is that Simmons is clutch. He's a clutch client. Yeah. Um. So that. That means something. Doesn't mean Lakers, but it means that he's gonna have <laughs> a lot of leverage, probably. Um, and also that his value is probably as low as it's ever been. Um, yes. Which is obviously why they're trying to get rid of him, but his perception is gonna be lower. So we'll see what happens. I, I think I think I think he's more okay, more likely to get traded, Dame or Simmons. Oh, Simmons, easy. It's easy. Simmons is gone. Simmons is gone. He's out of there. I I hope so. Oh, yeah. Like, they're not running it back with this group again. Okay. Yeah. That experiment is over. As soon as, like, as soon as they can find a dance partner, that experiment is done. Yeah. Probably true. But the only problem for them is, like, actually finding somebody to, like, go with. So. Yeah. I I, I just don't know. How about um, what about Indiana for Simmons? Yeah, 
No, for Lillard. A weird one. Like Brogdon and Sabonis or like Sabonis? Or like Lavert and Miles Turner. And and maybe like one of their who who they have that's young and like good. Um God, I don't even know. But that like if you're talking about like a sleeper team, I think Indiana you gotta throw in there. Indiana has a lot of like, like TJ Warren contracts like that where they, they, they have, have contracts that can match up. Yeah, they have a lot of like medium value contracts. Yeah. I like that, like but I, I think on 20. Lasers are getting rid of Dame. They're kind of just going into rebuilding mode like by default. I, I don't know that. Would like, you want Levert in rebuilding mode or not? I guess you don't really want any of these players in rebuilding mode. Yeah, because like TJ Warren is a little too old too, I guess. I don't know who you huh. This one's tough. Yeah, maybe not. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. and the, the answer is definitely not like Simmons for Lillard either. So no, you yeah, because I, I it doesn't make Portland. sense. Portland. Yeah, like I like uh, Simmons to Portland for CJ because like, yeah. I think Lillard and like Simmons works. Yeah, uh, or at least like you can make it work. But yeah, I agree. Okay. I well, on to our questions from Instagram. I posted yeah. this a little late. I posted it this morning. Usually I post it the day before, but we only have three. So we're going to knock these out real quick. Um, first, we have Walker asks, who's better, Tatum or Booker? I'm still going Tatum. Oh, God. Um, I think... Maybe, well, I don't know. I think Booker, but, like, that also comes out sounding biased, doesn't it? Uh, I, think I, I justify it, though, but, like, saying that. Like, so I, well I think, in the Mets series, scoring-wise, where he was just. Right, but he's a scorer. That's it. Like, I, I just don't know if he, like, has everything else. He's, he's, better, like, he's a better defender. But, like, Booker's a way better playmaker. I don't know. I don't know. I that's still good. But like I will say that like Tatum is probably the more valuable like asset in Absolutely. terms of like, that's the kind of player. Let's yeah, that's the kind crazy. of player that you want. Yeah. Yeah, like, yeah. Like you want the wing that can score and like defend. Okay. The six eight I'll wing. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'll give it to you. But I don't know. I, I, I like what Booker gives me, man. That's all I'm saying. But if we can get those two te- uh, those two guys on the same team in Phoenix, I'd like that very much. So we'll see. I have to trade eight. Tatum did say he wanted to go to the Suns. When did he say that? He said that, uh, like post draft, maybe. I, oh, okay. So like five years nah. ago. <laughs> that's that's fine. He's probably tired of Boston now. <laughs> no one wants to live in Boston. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> um, okay, we have a question for Pranav, and it's okay. kind of open ended. How good oh. do you think this Hawks team will be in the future? That's very open ended. Uh, <laughs> it's beyond open ended. Um, I don't know, man. Like, I, I think they're gonna win a championship in like five years, maybe. Like, I think that's their ceiling, right? Like, probably less, like four years. I and think how the, like they're yeah. The it, well, I mean, if their ceiling is getting to the five, I think their ceiling is like 
probably getting to the finals. I don't I don't know if like you don't they, think they're a championship team? I think they're a championship team, dude. I think they're I think every time there's there's like a every time we've had this sort of wide open feel, a dynasty kind of comes and fills it in. And you think so? I just okay. don't know. I don't know what team that's gonna be yet, but I don't think it's happening in Atlanta. Dude, I just don't think there's gonna be a dynasty. I think that we're we're at the point where like it's gonna you're gonna start sh- like sharing the love a little bit, you know? Like it's gonna be like you know, there are gonna be about four or five teams that are that are gonna be in the finals the next few years, and I think Atlanta's one of them. Like I think Atlanta's one of them. I think Dallas is gonna be one. Well, wherever Luca ends up is gonna be one of them. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so I won't necessarily say Dallas, um, but yeah, I Milwaukee. think like, those Milwaukee is gonna be one of them, and. Uh, God, I don't even know. Like, not Phoenix. Maybe throwing. Yeah, maybe throwing Phoenix. I, I'm trying to like temper the bias here. <laughs> the Nuggets. The Nuggets. Um, the Nuggets. Yes, of course. Favorites for next year's title. They could um, be a dynasty, maybe. Denver would be the closest thing that I could see becoming a dynasty because I don't see the Bucks. The Bucks. Are, uh, uh, uh. Um, and then yeah. But I, I think it's going to be, like, you know, a, a nice mix of, like, those teams getting to the finals. So I, I do think Atlanta wins the championship here at some point. Because um, I, I think, like, there they're maybe a couple wings, like a couple really good wings away from, from – Yeah, a, they have a good – Championship, and they're already very close. Yeah. They're maybe just one wing away. Well, I don't know how close they are because I think if Brooklyn's healthy, they're still running through them. Like, probably... Yeah, but, I mean, like, how, how much longer is Brooklyn – like that, right? Like two years max. Two years max, yeah. Right. So, like, I, I don't know. The next four or five years, yeah. you're gonna start seeing the door open a little bit. And like these injuries, like they can happen, and they happen often. And you know, maybe never quite like this, but I think you know Atlanta's only trying. Like this was the year that Atlanta was happy to make the playoffs, in, right? Yeah. And like you got a first round win, and you're very happy with that. So if they're already doing this, and if Trey's at this level already. Like, yeah. you just kind of got to build a little bit more around him. But, like, a lot of it's there. You know, a lot of the ideas are there. You know exactly what to run with him. So, I don't know. I like it. And, and I like, it's not a case where it's, like, what Trey can do is, like, easily stopped, right? Like, he's so versatile in how he scores. Mm-hmm. And, like, it's so hard to stop him. It's true. They do. They, do. they have a lot of good young players. They have a good coach. They have a good GM. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I probably agree. Okay. Question number three, um, Arjun asks, "What is the future? What is the future of the Sacramento Kings?" It's another very open-ended. The future is probably bleak, if I had to guess. Um, but you have you have Halliburton, who I like. Um, yes, a lot. You have Fox. He, is, he might be your favorite player. Yeah. Well, no, I think Terrence Terrence Mann is taking the mantle. Um, but you have. You have Heald, who could be on his way out. It seems like he's been in trade rumors for years. You have Fox, who seems like he's getting better every year. Those things are great. I think if Bagley doesn't make a step up, it's going to be bad. He's going to get him out of there. Because they really need some front court player who's actually more impactful than your Rashawn Holmes. And Rashawn Holmes is a great backup center on a team that doesn't need a backup center. Yeah. Luke Walton is also your coach, and he's probably, if not, if okay. So Stan Van Gunny was in the running for worst coaches in the league before he got fired. 
I mean, I'm not, I mean it. But um, Luke Walton, the fact that Luke Walton didn't get fired was pretty crazy to me. Yeah. Um, I don't know what he has on them. Yeah. He, their defense was atrocious the entire season. Um, so you're going to need at least a coaching change before anything good is going to happen there, I think. Um, and then just maybe draft well for once, and maybe you're <laughs> you'll see asking for a lot, dude. Oh, hey, the man. Halliburton pick maybe could have been the start of something, but the fact that That's you true. had the fact that you you picked um, Bagley second in a draft that had Luca, Trey, Aiton, and um, or I guess those those are really the, those are really the, the three. Those are the best three, but that that draft is yeah. freaking loaded. So I mean. I'm about to look it up. 2018? 2018. 2018. Best draft ever? Question mark. <laughs> Could end up that way. Uh, yeah, you also had Jaron Jackson at four. Um, you couldn't really go wrong with him. You could go wrong with Mo Bamba, and they did. Yes. Um, Wendell Carter Jr. would have been better, to be honest with you. Colin Sexton was at eight. Uh, Mikhail was at Bridges. Shot. Uh, SGA. Eight. Yeah. yeah, both Bridges, SGA. Michael Porter. Uh, Michael Porter Jr., yeah, that's a big one. Herter. Ante DiVincenzo. Oh, Kevin Herter's there as well. Let's go. Rob Williams. Um, There's a lot of guys. God, yeah, this is this is a stack, man. Landry Shamit can kind of sneak in there as well. Um, yeah, Jalen Bronson, he showed out kind of. Goss's brother. Yes, he had some good games. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Speed McKayluk. Um, There's probably about 20 people on this list I would take. There's 20 people that win the first two rounds that I would take over Bagley. Right? Yeah. No, like easily. So. And like it's not even close. Yeah. I'll take Grayson Allen over him right now. I would take <laughs> Anthony Melton over him. So. Um, God, yeah. That's where we're at with the Kings. So um, yeah. you're gonna need quite a bit to be good. I think you're looking so at much. least. At least four years down the road before you're a top four seed in the West. So, um, four years before they make the playoffs. Okay, I think that's I think you're, I think you're too far. I, oh, <laughs> that's really bleak. That's true, but I you could be right. I just don't know. All I'm saying is everyone else in the West is getting better, <laughs> and they've just stayed the same. It was tough. It was tough life. Okay. Well, I think that's all we have. Um, enjoy your game four. And we will see if the Suns fizzle out or if they don't. Because game three, the next time we speak, the series will be over. Because game yes. game three, I mean game five is tomorrow. And then game six. Game six, yes. <laughs> game yeah. seven, if necessary, will be Friday. Yeah. And if the Clippers do come back, we're doing an emergency pod that night. <laughs> Wait, if the Clippers, so if the Clippers win? Yeah, if the Clippers win. If they win the series or if, they, or if they? If they win the series. If they win, like, game seven and win the series. Oh, God. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, we'll see. Hopefully right. it doesn't come down to that. But yeah, we'll yeah. see. All right. Cool. All right. Great.